Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together to worship you. Father, we pray now for open hearts and minds as your word goes forth. Father, we pray that it will not return void, but it will accomplish what you sent it to do. And we give you praise and honor and glory for it in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. All right. So this lady uh, died, and they're having a church service, and the funeral was beautiful, and everything was going great. And after the end of the funeral, the pallbearers grabbed the coffin, and they are walking out of the building. And right about the time they got to the door, one of the guys in the front stumbled, and they banged the coffin onto the wall. Well, when they banged the coffin, they heard a faint moan. Well, they opened the coffin up, and lo and behold, the lady is alive. So she went on to live for 10 more years. And so 10 years later, same church, beautiful funeral. And as the pallbearers started out, the husband stood up and said, Hey, watch that wall. <laughs> Not 10 more years. Whew. <clears throat> I love how the laugh just keeps going around. It's, uh, Mr. Bill approved that, so we're good. All right, so last week we talked about spiritual warfare, and we talked about that we, we live in a world, and, and everything that we fight against is not flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers and the dark, right? right? And then last week in the crux of our, our message, I, I touched on just a little bit of Ephesians 6, and I said, I'm not going to go into the whole armor of God, because that's, that's this week. So this week we're going to go into the whole armor of God. You, you know, when you, um, depending on what you're doing, there, there, are, there are uniforms that you put on, right, that you're supposed to be, right? Like, if you see me six and a half days a week, I do not wear this uniform, right? Unless somebody's getting married or somebody's getting buried, or I'm right here, I don't wear this uniform. In fact, I try really hard not to wear this uniform, except for right here, right? But if you see a police officer or a fireman, right? If they take the uniform on or off, that doesn't change them, whether they're a firefighter or a police officer or a soldier. But, but you have a uniform. And, and it's funny because if you look at the sports in America now, right, especially like the NFL, if you, you ever see them pan the crowd, what do those people have on? A lot of the people that's in the stands, they also had the uniform on, right, the, to support the team on the field. Right? Right? You can, the only place ever you can see a grown man wearing a jersey that has somebody else's name on the back of it, for the, for the most part. Well, I think hockey does some of that too. And maybe baseball. But they're wearing the uniform. So as Christians, we, we, we too have a uniform. Our uniform's not as vivid and maybe not have your name on the back of it or whatever. Um, but, but we have this uniform. Y'all ever thought what it would look like if I showed up in like cargo shorts and flip-flops and, a, and an old nasty t-shirt to preach? I, I, I thought to do that this morning, really, to, 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 to give this, right? But I figured I would have blown my cover by the time y'all got to here, right? But it looks out of place. It looks out of place when this uniform's not on and I'm standing here, right? <clears throat> the um, quick story, the... Stephen Furtick, and I don't know if y'all know Furtick, he's a pastor of Elevation Church, he's the fastest growing church in America at one point in time. He actually spoke at Joe Lostein's church one time. And Furtick wears like 
ripped jeans, skinny jeans, and, and Air Force tennis shoes and little, or whatever shoes, and little t-shirts. That's what he wears. So when he went to speak in Joel's church, Victoria asked him, what color tie are you planning on wearing tomorrow? And he said, well, that's the funny thing is, is I don't wear ties. And she was like, yeah, well, if you stand in that pulpit, you wear a tie and a coat. And he said, well, you know, funny thing is I didn't bring any with me. She was like, which is why I'm asking you now, because we have a very good friend who's a tailor right uptown, and we'll go there and we'll get you exactly whatever you would like. Of course, Furtick, if y'all know him or listen to him, he ended up with some triple-breasted vest and like ruffly tie and this whole big deal. But to stand in that pulpit, that was the rules. I mean, to stand in this pulpit, that's always been Granddaddy's rule too. But you had to put on the uniform, okay? So, so if you will, turn with me to uh, Ephesians. Um, and we'll just start with 6, 10... And we read 610 last week, but, you know, you might be new to the, you might not have been here last week, or you might be watching on Facebook or the YouTube or the podcast or the whatever. So it's Ephesians 610, finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power and put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities and against the powers of the dark of this world and against spiritual forces and heavenly I think it says realms, but it says, yep. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Okay? Now, look, that's all that right there is good information. When you get to 14, it tells you what you should look like. Stand firm with the belt of truth around your waist and with the blessed plate of righteousness in its place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Right? So that is the whole armor. Two things real quick. One, anybody notice there's nothing on your back? In that armor, there's nothing on your back? Okay. Number two is, we possess all of these pieces. You know, when David agreed to fight Goliath, he, he walked up there with sandals and a little uh, robe or whatever on, and, 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 and King Saul said, hey man, you, you, you can't go like that. You don't, you don't have any armor on. You don't have anything to protect you. And y'all know the story, right? Saul tried to give David his armor, which is, you know like putting football pads on a little tiny kid. I mean, it was just way, way too big and too heavy. And David said, no, 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 no. I, I don't want to wear your armor. But see, God's armor fits us. We, we, we possess this. We possess the belt of truth around our waist. And, and man, I don't want to step on any toes. You know, we have folks that, that they like to tell stories sometimes, you know. They like to fish tails or like to stretch the truth a little bit we, we'll break down all of the pieces of the of the armor but the belt of truth you you are only as good as your word and the belt of truth what well, jesus says to know the truth and the truth will set you free 
But the truth coming out of your mouth has to be that my word is the truth. Because if I want somebody to take my example, or if I want somebody to see my witness, or if I want to touch somebody's life, I, I have to tell them the truth. Because fake gets you nowhere. So without the belt of truth, your pants, that liar, liar, pants on fire, I don't know about that, but liar, liar, your pants would be on the ground. How about that? The, the belt of truth is very imperative for a Christian. We should only say what we mean and mean what we say. That belt of truth should be uh, very, very important to us, right? So that we are trustworthy, that we are led by what we, what we say, and we do what God's Word says, and we, have, we don't let God's Word depart out of our mouth. See, the opposite of the belt of truth is Satan, who is the father of lies, right? He, he can't tell the truth. And I know some Christians that walk around and they have a hard time telling the truth, but, but they're not wearing the proper attire, the belt of truth has to be on the front, right? And sometimes the truth hurts and you have to adopt the Bambi rule, right? Y'all have all heard me talk about the Bambi rule. If you can't say nothing nice or true, don't say nothing at all. So the belt of truth is the first part of it. We got to keep our britches up with our belt of truth. The second part is the breastplate of righteousness. Now, this is one of them pieces that, like, the straps go around you, and this, this thing covers your, you know, like a flight jacket, right? Like a, a bulletproof vest kind of thing in, in today's age, right? That, that breastplate of righteousness comes from knowing God and knowing God's Word. That we became the righteousness of God through Christ, Right? We have to understand and know and walk and act and talk like we are the righteousness of God. Sometimes you get in situations to where you don't necessarily want to show everybody the breastplate of righteousness, right? It's kind of hard to, to wear that all the time around your friends and around your colleagues and in places that you probably shouldn't be in, sometimes you want to take that breastplate of righteousness and, and stash it in the back where nobody can see it. But the breastplate of righteousness, I, I mean, I can only imagine this big golden deal with like your logo all inscribed in it and strapped around you, right? Whatever team you play for, whether it's, you know, orange or Garnet or blue or green or whatever color, right? It looks like your team. But it, it, it's got to look like God's, right? Because this is God's team. This is where all of those colors come together, right? So that breastplate of righteousness is important. The devil often attacks our hearts to set our emotion and our identity. And, and it, that's how he attacks us. He, he starts us to doubt who we are. He starts us to doubt that we are loved. He starts us to worry about who our friends are and who our friends aren't, right? And that breastplate of righteousness, it stands in our way. It, it, it protects our heart and it sure assures us that we are God's people, right? It protects us from the attacks of the enemy. You know what that's what it's for, right? I mean, all of this stuff is to get you ready to go fight. 
not to sit on the couch, not to stand on the sideline. What we're talking about is something that prepares you to be engulfed in the battle. And I told you last week, if you were listening, that whether you think you were in this battle or not, you are. You, you don't get to dodge this. The spiritual battle that is taking place in our town, in our city, in our country, in our state, it, it, it is engulfing everybody. Everybody is in this spiritual warfare. And so what we need to do is be able to be prepared to wear our uniform and protect ourselves. The next one is real easy. It's real easy. 15. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. This is probably the hardest thing to do. <clears throat> you have to be ready to share your faith with anybody and everybody. That is what the, the good news, that Jesus loves you. The gospel of peace is rooted and grounded in the Christian religion, right? In, in, in the Christian relationship between the sinner and God, the gospel is what separates us from everybody else. And we have to be... Fee- <clears throat> Y'all... um. Y'all ever went and tried on shoes, you know, and you're like, well, I don't wear them kind of shoes. But some of y'all only wear them kind of shoes because somebody's name's written on the outside of them. But, but you ever like put on like just went in and I do it with boots. I start on one end of the boot aisle and go across, right? Because I want something that feels good. So I put on those boots. Nope, they don't feel good. 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 Until I finally find something I kind of like. Now, my church shoes are not in that. They are more for looks than they are for feel because I take them off as soon as I leave from here. But what happens when you get shoes that aren't fitted, that don't work well? And when you have bad shoes that hurt your feet. Michael Barnett was talking about the other day he had a pair of Walmart shoes and they about killed him. And I'm like, no kidding, they were 20 bucks. They are not good. They are not. But when our feet aren't right... Our whole body aches. When we're not ready for the gospel of peace to be on the tip of our tongue, our whole body aches. We should be ready to run a race with the shoes that we have on. Now, some of y'all ain't in no racing material today. You got them things that's trying to break your ankles. But as a child of God, if we are putting on the whole armor of God, if we have on our belt of truth and our breastplate of righteousness and we go put our shoes on, it's got to be ready to share the gospel, right? <clears throat> and I found this and I want you to hear it to what it is. The devil wants us to think that telling others the gospel is worthless and hopeless task, right? He wants us to think that we are, our back is against the wall. And the size of the task is too big, and the negative responses are too much. But God, show, but the shoes God gives us are the motivation to continue to proclaim the true peace that is available in God, in the good news that everyone needs to hear. It sets us up to be the light into the world. We have opportun- You have opportunities. 
You have individual opportunities to touch people that are your friends or your parents or your cousins or your uncles or your weird kid friend at school or some kid that played on a softball team with you or a basketball team or a baseball team that you might be <clears throat> the best shot of Jesus they'll ever have. The best shot. Now, I'm not saying that because the gospel is not going to get out there. I, I'm not. But you have a divine purpose on your life to witness to your folks to, be, to have the readiness of the gospel on your feet. So when you are in the situation that you have had on the belt of truth so they can trust you, you behave in a manner that the breastplate of righteousness does not look odd on your body. And when given the opportunity to use it, the gospel of peace is on the tip of your tongue. Now, that doesn't sound real. Deep. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. I got it. God sent me folks to witness to. And then you end up talking to one of your friends and they, well, what do you think about religion? Or do you really believe in God? Or do you really, really believe that? See, that's the difficult part. Can you defend your position? I, I heard a joke this week, and I wasn't going to tell it because it's probably offensive, and if it offends you, I'm sorry, but it's important. There's a room full of people. They were all in church. I can't tell it. Never mind. I'm going to tell it. Chris is going to be mad at me anyway. And they were all Baptists but one. And the guy pointed to the one lady and said, what are you? And she said, well, I'm Methodist. And she said, well, why are you Methodist? Can you defend your position? And she said, well, I'm Methodist. And my parents were Methodist. And my family's been Methodist. And that makes me a Methodist. And he said, well, what happens if your family would have been a bunch of idiots? She said, well, then I guess I'd have been a Baptist. I don't really hate on the Baptist church. That's just the way I heard the joke. Chris was cutting her. Oh, Lord, I'm in trouble. <laughs> no, I don't dislike any of the Baptists or the Methodists. Just the way it was framed. But you have to be able to defend your position. And the answer is not, when you're spreading the gospel, the answer is not, well, I'm a Christian because my parents were a Christian or my grandparents were a Christian or because that's, what I was, that's the only thing I know. The answer is, is that I'm a Christian because the Word of God says that He called me, that He anointed me, that He loves me, that He set me free, that I have been redeemed from the curse because I gave my life to Him for Him to be Lord of my life. See, that's a much better story than... Oh, well, because that's what everybody else is in my family. No, we have to have a personal relationship. So when we're sharing the gospel, that the gospel lines up with who you are in Christ. It's imperative for you to have your testimony and your relationship with God in such a place that you can share it with people. And do not allow yourself to be embarrassed of the gospel. <clears throat> In addition to this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, we know that faith 
comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And faith is a muscle, right? You, you, you have to walk in faith and believe God and develop your faith over time, right? And so when I was preparing for this, I was thinking about how about if you could really see our whole armor of God and how much faith you had was representative of how big your shield was. Some of them be big as this button. That'd be your whole shield. Just enough faith to be saved. Thanks, boss. Some of us have faith to move mountains and you wouldn't be able to pick it up and tote it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when we pick up that shield of faith, it is based on our information that we have been downloaded from the Bible, from teaching, from messages, from our prayer life, right? It builds up this faith that is the shield. And I, I alluded to this last week of to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Way back when, when I was in Carolina, I was in a small business management class. And they were talking about marketing and how good marketing was. And this guy was one of the first guys to ever invent a bulletproof vest. And so he filmed a short commercial on his bulletproof vest. And the guy's class I was in was Dr. Sandberg, and he paused the tape. And it was a VCR. That's how long ago it was. It wasn't 8-track or nothing like that. I don't know what come before VCR tapes. But he paused the VCR, and he said, I want you all to understand that this guy has the best marketing strategy ever seen. And nobody knows about it. And he hit play. And he walks up and the guy introduces himself and says, I build a bulletproof vest. He shows the bulletproof vest. And I want to show you how it works. And he walks over there about here to the other side of the podium, kneels down, thumb cocks a 357, puts it in the middle of his chest and pulls the trigger. The bullet flattened on his chest. It did not go in. Now, he couldn't breathe. It took him a minute. But his bulletproof vest worked really well. See, the bulletproof vest works kind of like that shield works. It don't stop you from getting hit. It just stops it from doing damage. Extinguishes the flaming arrows of the evil one. It's not that we walk around the valley of the shadow of death. We walk through it. And if you don't got no faith, then you ain't got no shield. Them flaming darts hurt. Okay, y'all got real quiet. Maybe my Baptist joke is reverberating. Oh, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, the helmet of salvation really comes with the readiness of the gospel, right? Because if you believe the gospel and you preach the gospel and you understand the gospel, the helmet of salvation comes with, right? Once we have that personal relationship with God, the helmet of salvation is ours, granddaddy used to call people spiritual streakers right they had the spirit of the helmet of salvation on and run around naked with the rest of that left at the house some of us still do that right if you saved, you have the helmet of salvation and we need to understand that 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 is very important right you need to protect this even now with little kids and skateboards and bicycles and scooters right first thing they put on is the helmet right it's important protect your noggin right? Protect your mind against the attacks. 
The devil wants us to make us doubt our salvation in God. That it's a limited time offer. That it has stipulations on it. And it's of grace, lest anyone should boast. I saw that. Crystal go build me a shirt that says that. Salvation by grace, lest anyone should boast. And nothing you can do to earn it. All right? So helmet of salvation we got. We, we, we rooted and grounded in that. All right, and then the next one. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's this. Well, we, we had a sermon on that a couple weeks ago. That's this in this world, but it's also Jesus, right? Because it said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and nothing was created without Him, right? Not only that, when you talk about the Word of God, the being the, right, everything we talked about previous to right now has been defensive mechanisms, right? We got on our belt, we got on our breastplate, we got our shield, we got on our helmet, we got on our shoes, everything is preparing us for battle to defend ourselves, except for this one. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, is the only offensive thing, right? And what does the Bible say about it? The, the word of God is alive and sharp, and a double-edged sword, even in the dividing sunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, right? It, it, it's the sharpest thing on the planet. But the tip of that sword is the name of Jesus. The authority that we have in the name of Jesus is the most offensive weapon that we have. He gave it to us to use, right? Not when you hit your finger with a hammer. He gave it to us to bind things on earth and they will be bound in heaven, right? To curse, to tear down strongholds, right? To pray against the fights of the enemy, to all of the things that come against us. And sometimes, well-meaning Christians will get dressed, and they'll put on them shoes, and the belt, and the breastplate, and the helmet, and they'll sheathe that sword, and they'll stay sheathed. The Word of God is the knowledge that God gives us, and how do we put the Word of God into action? It is through prayer, it is through what we say, it is through trust in Him, right? That when we pray in the Spirit, um, Sally skipped one. There you go. Right? No, you're good. You're good. But to pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayer and requests. That's how we put the sword of the Spirit in the, in the moving. If you feel like that there is part of this outfit that doesn't belong to you, then I'm going to challenge you to come up and let's pray about it after church. But I want you to really think about it, right? I want you to really think that whether or not this belongs to me or not. Because let me tell you, the best way to, to fight a Christian is to make them doubt. Because if you doubt for just a second that you're saved, or just a second that you're the righteousness of God, or just a second that the gospel isn't really quite true, or just a second that I might be saved this week, but if I do something wrong next week, I may or may not be saved, or you doubt for just a second that that Bible that you read is not 100% accurate. See, that's the defeat. The defeat is, is in the doubt. 
So when we are in this situation right here, when we pray to God, when we spend time with God, when we read our Bible, we are developing strengths to where we are building up what God's Word says on the inside of us, right? That we're renewing our mind, that we're developing our talents in God's Word. You can know the whole Bible front to back and believe every word of it and keep your mouth shut and we'll do nothing. Even salvation is required that you believe in your heart, check, and say with your mouth. You can't have it if you can't say it. I, here again, Chris, I'm going to be in trouble again. I read a little thing this week that said the average woman uses 20,000 words a day, and the average man uses about 5,000 words a day, which I'm not average. I would be way more in the 20,000, and Crystal would be way closer to the 5,000. But what I'm saying is, is even if you're on the bottom of the spectrum as a man, even if you only say 5,000 words or less than 5,000 words, you got to be real careful on what you're saying. Because if it doesn't line up with God's word, what you're doing is prophesying death and damnation over your life and over your stuff and over your house and over your children. And as we are faced with the fight that we're in, we have to put a guard on our tongue to watch what we say and take the offensive of the sword of the Spirit and start tearing down strongholds and imaginations and things that do not line up with God's Word. And we have to be diligent in it. I don't know if y'all have seen the craziness going on with the Target stuff. Anybody seen the Target stuff? They have shirts that say, Satan approves your pronouns. They will never get another penny that belonged to Robbie Valentine. Now, I said a long time ago, you can't do business with people you only agree with, right? Or we'd walk to Chick-fil-A every once in a while. But the blatant disrespect and attack that is on the body of Christ, there is no way that I'm going to support somebody who come against that. There's no way that I'm not going to knowingly support. Now, look. I can't imagine that about every company on the planet has skeletons in their closet where they do things that don't belong to the Judeo-Christian values. I get it. And as long as I don't know about it and I don't have God's not telling me about it, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. But when they want to flaunt it and put it in front of me, there's no way I'm going to support something that is the enemy of everything I believe in. I love the people. God bless them. I hope it turns out great for them. I will not support it. As Christians, we have to be on the offensive. We, it is time to bring the sword out. The attack is on. We are in the middle of the battle. We have been standing behind the shield, taking the darts, and not trying to offend anybody and keep backing up and, and not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. But either the Bible is true, and we stand on it and support it, or it's not. And then I don't know what you're doing here. We have to be so fundamentally set that what God's word is true, and let every man be a liar, that nothing can build itself up against what God's word says. That's who we are. 
So if we got our shoes on and we got our belt on and we got our breastplate on and we toting our shield and we have our helmet on, it is time to unsheath the sword. Now, more times than not, once somebody unsheaths the sword, which is the word of God, they like to hack on other Christians because they don't believe exactly like we want to. That is not what it is used for. It is for tearing down strongholds and tearing down things that are come against the word of God. But we are in this fight. And if you're going to be there, you might as well get dressed. And if you're going to get dressed, you better be prepared to defend yourself. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this word. Father, we pray that it will go out and it will not return void. We just thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.